Welcome to the UC Berkeley Data Science Education Podcast. We're happy you're listening in today. In this space, you'll hear from a variety of distinguished data science educators and professionals. The individuals we'll speak with are diverse in experience and perspective, but share the common goal of shaping the future of data science education. Our idea is to have some informal conversations with the goal of creating community and let people hear from practitioners in this growing new field. My name is Eric Van Dusen from Data Science Undergraduate Studies in the Division of Computing, Data Science, and Society at UC Berkeley, and I'll be leading our conversation today. And my name is Kalechi Nebadam, also from Data Science Undergraduate Studies. I'm working as an intern with the division's external pedagogy team, and I'll be helping out today too. Hi, today we have Zark with us. Zark, could you give us a brief introduction to yourself and what you're currently working on? Sure. Uh, and Eric, uh, thank you so much for the, you know, the invitation to be here and have this uh, conversation today. Um, so my name is uh, Zarek Drosta. I'm um, helping uh, out with a, a new uh, with an initiative at the University of Chicago called Data Science for Everyone. Um, we're based at uh, the Center for Risk, uh, which is a uh, social impact lab uh, created and founded by Steve Levitt, uh, who's an economics professor at the University of Chicago and associated with uh, the Freakonomics uh, book and podcast series. Um, and, and really I'm working uh, right now and trying to bring data science education at the K-12 level um, into a new growth phase. And I think we've, we've been building foundations for the past few years. There's been demonstration projects even earlier than that. So we're, we're excited to see uh, where, where that will go in the next few years here. Awesome, thank you. Um, and uh, many folks may know you because you recently had a fellowship in DC uh, Department of Education um, could you sort of like give a description about, you know, maybe like how you got to that fellowship, uh, what you feel like you did there and how you feel like things are changing in DC? Yeah, no, certainly. Um, it, it was a, it was a fantastic opportunity. So I had uh, the chance to work at the Institute of Education Sciences, which is a division of the U S department of education, um, for a year, um, on a fellowship focused on, you know, uh, emerging technology education. And so my mission was to research data science, artificial intelligence, blockchain, you know, quantum computing, like all the emerging technology areas, and to try to understand the implications for K-12 education, um, to help, you know, bring that information back to the department and right and try to build awareness internally and basically give them an update on the field um, and then also figure out how to leverage federal resources and what you know the department of you know education could do what IES could do what what the federal government at large could do to help uh, support um, these new and emerging fields you know I think if I were to like reflect on that experience uh, really briefly um, you know I think you know, first off, like awareness is definitely increasing and it's increasing really fast. Um, and I had the opportunity to uh, convene a group of experts in the field of data science education. We held a technical working group um, at IES to basically, you know, to figure out, you know, what, what's known so far in the space, what are the gaps, what are the resources that need to be developed for data science education. Um, and that was a really great opportunity to showcase some of the work that's been going on in the field back to, you know, folks at the federal level, right, back to the staff at, at Department of Ed and IES and, and and other uh, agencies. We also know there are too few resources, um, and, and the evidence base is you know relatively early for this work at K twelve level, and you know, it builds upon you know, years of research and statistics education and computational thinking. But we're still trying to figure out what is that unique 
set of knowledge and pedagogical strategies and curricula that we need for you know the the intersection that is data science. And so uh, you know to help build that evidence out, we also created a uh, implementation checklist for district leaders to think about you know create if you were to go and create a pilot in data science education, if you go to set up a course, you know what what are the first steps you would take? How do you involve your stakeholders most effectively? How do you um, build out uh, you know uh, programs that align and meet with uh, you know meet uh, students where they're at right now? And, you know, and, and the main purpose was to encourage people to do a pilot um, and to you consider it as a design phase and to consider this as an iterative process and that you're going to you know, try a course, things are going to go wrong, you might not get everything right the first time. Um, and so then collect that evidence, right, and then iterate for the next cycle um, and try to, you know, help and then help the field learn what you did and communicate those results out. So that that checklist is on the IES website now. Um, we're hoping that it can it can provide some guidance for uh, district leaders uh, and staff, you know, around the country as they're thinking about taking on this this new subject. And then, you know, if I were to take my you know IES hat off, um, and you know, the, I also have to do the legal uh, uh, qualifications and say that you know the Department of Education or the Institute of Education Sciences does not officially endorse any of my opinions as, as a visiting fellow. Um, so I had to get get that in there for for the recording. But you know, so, so taking my IES hat off, um, there's also broader energy at the federal level um, for supporting this work. So the National Science Foundation has been making uh, investments um, under the Harnessing the Data Revolution or the HDR uh, campaign, um, along with you know, several other STEM education focused portfolios that they've ran over the past several years. Um, and some of the early work at the K-12 level was seeded by NSF grants. So the introduction to data science curriculum out of UCLA uh, was created through a 20 13, 2014 NSF project, uh, Bootstrap uh, at Brown University, they're NSF supported, uh, CodeApp, which is a uh, online free uh, a data analysis uh, platform for educational context that was created from NSF support. And so a lot of this work, you know, had been going back to, you know, 2010 and, and, and um, we've seen the evolution of it over time. And then the most exciting updates, more recently speaking, so on the Hill, there are 10 U.S. senators signed an oversight letter to IES and NSF to understand you know, what public research agencies have done and, and what they could do further to push data science education to sort of the, the next level. That was fall of last year. Um, then we had Senators Cory Booker, uh, Alex Padilla, and uh, Sherrod Brown uh, send an appropriations letter for uh, to IES and NSF for $60 million of investment in R&D for data science education at the K-12 level. That was May of this year. Um, and then uh, Senator Padilla keynoted our commitments conference this past summer, um, and he uh, noted that he was pushing internally at the Senate uh, Labor uh, Health and Human Services Committee um, to try to push for funding for teacher professional development. Um, right. So there's, there's a lot of energy. There's a lot happening. Um, and, and you know, I think in the past few years in particular, we've seen really sort of a, 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 a you know, broader investment right at the highest levels of, of federal government for this work. Um, that's not enough. You know, we we still need systems level change. Uh, there are, there are early signs of progress, but they aren't really moving the needle. And and you know, there's a, a you know, there's a lot of money out there right now with some of the COVID stimulus and the American Rescue Plan dollars. Um, but there's a funding clip coming for those districts, and all that COVID stimulus dollars are going to go away really soon. And and you know, the money also doesn't mean very much in light of all the staff shortages that have you know uh, been you know the teacher burnout issues right and everything else that's been plaguing school districts because uh, of because of the COVID response. So you know, long term, we still need that system level change, and there's a lot more work to do. Nice. I want to just segue into my next question, which is like, you know, you've been convening people and just talking to like probably more people than anybody in in this K twelve space. 
some of the meetings when I go to, people are sort of like, you know, venting or like having a hard time. Um, I was wondering if you could just sort of like elucidate what you see the obstacles are in the play. I mean, you know, you, you've given like the, you know, there's some initiatives around money, but like what are what are the big institutional things that people seem to be banging up against? Yeah, no, that, that's a great question. And, you know, these, these are all the things that keep me up at night. Um, and, you know, when you're, you know, I, I think for, you know, a high resource, um, you know, large school district, I mean, this is, you know, it, this is really fun and exciting. And it's something that they have the resources to dig into, right? But if you're a, a small district, you don't have a ton of resources. If you're serving a historically marginalized community, if you're a rural school district, right, you don't have the, the capital or the staff capacity to, to, uh, to uh, you know, jump into the space right away. Um, and, and, you know, there's a lot of system level change that has to occur. So my, my head is always at that system level. Of how can we create the, the conditions to make this easy? And how can we create the necessary infrastructure you know, at, at a field level to, to make uh, your data science experiences effective for students? So I, I'd, I'd sort of categorize in three buckets um, you know, as we're thinking about field barriers. I think the first is that there are, there are hard-coded um, challenges in sy systemic alignment, right? So these are things like state standards, credential uh, pathways and eligibility for teachers, state assessments, college admission policies, right? That those things are changing and we're seeing change slowly but surely and, and, and more so in other, uh, other states. As, you know, some states are really far ahead in these things. Um, but we need consistent alignment for student pathways for data science from, you know, K-5 to middle school to high school and then to college right? or whatever, you know, uh, the post-secondary pathway might be for students. I mean, might, we might see students, you know, jump directly from high school into alternative credentials and online programs because these, these skills are technical and they're really easy to demonstrate, right? And that's a really powerful path for economic mobility. The second bucket, I think, is capacity. Um, and this really goes back to teacher training and how can we get our educators upskilled in technology um, at large, um, right? Especially in you know, fields like mathematics or um, even social studies, where there's really great opportunities to bring data science in, but they might not have the technology competence or the background to be able to, uh, to jump into it immediately. And I think the third bucket is really just awareness and especially awareness on all these technical fields, uh, right? The, the confluence of data science and AI and blockchain and quantum computing. I mean, that could be really intimidating and overwhelming. And there's a lot of like buzzwords to sort through. Um, and you know, we need awareness for a variety of stakeholders, right? So it's, it's parents, it's district administrators, it's teachers, it's state leaders. Technology is a moving target. And so I think I often push people towards thinking about how can we focus on the fundamentals um, and the fundamentals of how data is shifting society in really big ways. You know, I think, um, yeah, if we, if we like look at societal shifts for a second, there's been people like researchers have been making estimates for a while, of, like the amount of total data that exists in the world, uh, right? I think like Hal Varian did some work on this in the 2000s or like 1990s um, at Brown. Like it, it was about like, we were, we were counting in exabytes um, now we're up to zeta bytes, so we're like moving really quickly towards the end of the Greek alphabet, and that's like really scary. 5.4 billion people are on the internet today, right? And we have generated about 30 trillion web pages that are indexed on Google. And so the amount of information, the amount of data that's just flowing between humans is really significant. It's huge. And then layer upon that sensors and measurement of the physical world through internet of things, devices, air quality measures, uh, farmers using crop soil uh, detectors, uh, biometric and facial recognition data, right? So that's a whole other layer of data that you add on to the scale of, you know, just human connection. And then if you layer on that economic 
uh, you know, transactions, right? So either the way that our existing financial systems are updating or the way that, you know, blockchain and Web3 are trying to revolutionize all those things with data. You know, you hear a lot about like the metaphor data is the new oil. And I think really data is the new oil. And maybe it's even like the new fabric of the way that, you know, we all interact with each other in the world. And so those things are really fundamental. Um, and if you put aside all the terms and all the buzzwords, um, you know, the, the, the shifts that we're seeing at a, at a social level are, are really quite big, right? And so I think that that goes back to the fact of why we need these transformations in K-12. And we need to start early because these things are really cross-cutting. They're happening in every industry, every sector. It impacts daily life. Um, and so, you know, I think we have to do that awareness work and we have to be communicating these things really carefully um, to parents and districts and uh, teachers to showcase why this is a much broader change that fits in K-12. And it's not just a, a really, you know, it's, it's not just a professional career. It is it's cross-cutting. There's too many people and there's too many stakeholders, but like, who are some awesome folks for people to track? Or like, who who do you see as like moving the needle that people should be paying attention to in the K-12 space? Yeah, that, that's a great question. And, um, you know, I mean, the first thing to note here is that there's really just a, a massive quantity, right? As, as you said, Eric, I mean, there, there's just, there are so many people who are doing great work in the space. So it's hard to pull out individual names. Um, but you know, I would point to a few states that are doing really innovative work. Um, so Lindsay Henderson in Utah um, is really thinking about how do we build like a, a holistic ramp um, for, for data science education. And she started off in the state policy programming with teacher training. So she rolled out micro-credentials for teachers first. Then now they're doing a high school pilot um, it, for a high school course pilot. And, I th and then I think eventually they're going to think about what does you know, statewide guidance look like um, for, for the content level. The high school pilot has seen, uh, they, they just announced this year, and they're seeing uh, really surprised, uh, a surprised, a shocking amount of interest. Um, I think Lindsay was expecting like 10 schools to sign up and they're at 48 right now. And every time we call, the number increases, um, right? And so this, I think that's a really goes to show like some of the grassroots, like, uh, you know, uh, energy for this work that, that's really, you know, uh, expanding quickly. Other folks at Virginia, um, so uh, the work of Tina Mazikane at, at the State Department um, there in Virginia, and then Deb Crawford, um, who works with the Frederick County Public Schools, they're working on really innovative programming in, to uh, build out state modules and lesson plans to help build, help teachers create really uh, intentional scaffolding for data science programs in, in their statewide pilot. And so I think that that's been really exciting to see. And they, they've definitely been an early leader in the space. And then uh, Anthony Owen, he actually just uh, left the Arkansas Department of Education, but he used to be there at Arkansas um, and helped do a lot of leadership in the CS education space under, under Governor Hutchinson. But uh, they also helped articulate a career technical education sequence for data science. Um, and what I loved about the way that they, they created their program is they did, uh, they, they first started with a cross-state working group, and they brought in the higher ed, um, the University of Arkansas, they brought in some of the larger K-12 districts, they brought in industry, um, and they, they ended in the state. And so they all worked together to create a consistent you know, program that was aligned to a lot of different needs for a lot of different stakeholders across education. And I thought that was a really powerful model to, for the design phase. And then their, their CTE sequence is dual uh, accounts uh, for credit in mathematics and CTE and CS all at the same time, right? So they did that credit articulation that meant that students would find a lot of value if they enrolled in the course. And that, that is so important for you know, increasing student um, participation. And then they did really careful alignment to the higher ed education uh, uh, sequence. And so if you take courses in the CTE sequence in data science, then when you go to the university, you can accelerate further in, in the data science uh, major and minors there, which is also really exciting. Um, so, so I think that really careful articulation work, right? And thinking about what do the student pathways look like, because it is really important. 
Um, and it's important to make sure that students find value out of enrolling in the sequence, right? And that they 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 get really tangible credit and it, it expands their their pathways as a reward for the time and investment that they put into the courses. Um, so you know, I, my head goes to you know where where is really valuable state level work happening? Um, there's also you know so many curriculum providers who are doing great work in the space. There's so many people who are doing great leadership and teacher PD um, across the field. And, and, and you know, really, this is a broad ecosystem. It's not just, you know, one or two people. It's, it's a field. Um, and I, I think that, you know, demonstrates how, how important this work is. Nice. Thanks. I mean, some ways when I think about Zarek, I think like you're like a community organizer. You're like bringing people to the table and like raising up people's voices and sort of even just like creating the space where the dialogue is happening. Um, I was wondering if you just comment a little bit on that process. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Eric, I appreciate that characterization. Um, I mean, if anything, I feel like I am probably the least important person in the entire space, uh, right? Because I, all I do all day is connect with you know, connect people across states and, and programs, right? And uh, I, re I really think of myself as you know, connecting, communicating, and advocating for other people in the space. Um, because you know, there's so many teachers doing great work. There's so many district leaders doing great work. You know, there's so much innovation happening at the state level. Um, and really, I'm just trying to play catch up and, and trying to support folks and, and you know, draw connections as much as I can. And I also think that you know, when, you're at the, when you're working at the national level, you know, because our, our education system is is truly local fundamentally, right? It's really decentralized. Every school district and every every you know, classroom is, is different um, in many ways. And so really all you're you're doing is creating resources and infrastructure for the teachers to do amazing work locally. Um, and I think sometimes national leaders forget that, right? And, and, and what we're doing at the national level is really just creating support for, for you know for work to happen in the field. The field has had a lot of wins. So we're, we were sitting at one statewide pilot in 2019, and now we're at 14 states. That growth was really fast, and a lot of it happened during COVID. You know, the, some of the work started uh, that started Data Science for Everyone was associated with a free economics podcast that we did back in 2019. We did this episode, I think it came out in October, about how you know, we can modernize the mathematics curriculum, and the, and the solution or the answer was, you know, can we bring data literacy and data science into K-12? Um, and that podcast went viral <laughs> and it, right. as of today, it has like three or 4 million downloads. It's like one of the most like popular in the whole series. Like it created a ton of energy from, from teachers and district leaders. We even had a governor reach out to us um, after it was released. And yeah, I think that communications work put a spotlight on a really fantastic curriculum and resources that had already been created in the field. And then that just up the ante, right? And I, I think that that made, uh, you know, that took us from early demonstration projects to some scale. And I think another really big win is a lot of people talk about the doom and gloom of COVID, right? And how there's there were so many challenges during the pandemic. Uh, you know, we saw we saw earlier this week with the NAEP scores on mathematics that were released, right? That it definitely had an impact on student learning. Um, I think data science has been a unique bright spot in the K-12 context because all of this growth happened between you know 2019 and, and today. Um, most of it during the pandemic. And there was a lot of digital collaboration that COVID enabled. Um, I think there was a new lens on content and what really matters to students that that, that period enabled. Um, and the, the general shakeup and kind of froth of change, I think made people more, um, you know, they had a bit of a greater appetite for taking on some new bets and some new ways of teaching. And so, you know, I, I try to really push this narrative of, you know, there was a win here and we should be paying attention to it as a silver lining. 
And then I think you know, the, the last thing is, as we're thinking about you know, community organizing, um, so I was on the planning committee for um, at the National Academies of Sciences workshop that we had uh, just, just this past September on the foundations of, of K-12 data science education. Um, we had 110 Ds in person, we had 500 online. I think that was a great moment to take stock of this recent growth. We identified some consistent, you know, we, we try to identify what the evidence is so far and some consistent trends across these pilot programs. And, and you have recommendations for what other resources we have to build out. And that convening was really powerful because it got a lot of people talking with each other. Uh, I think it was a great, you know, sort of, you know, we're coming out of COVID and now we're meeting all each other in person. And so there's a lot of awkward, you know, like sort of like Zoom, uh, you know, moments of, uh, oh, we've, we've only met virtually and now we're going to talk in person. But that, that was a great way to sort of like galvanize energy, right? And, and Eric, when you when you said, you know, uh, uh, you know, conceptualizing this as community organizing work, I mean, those those convenings uh, and those milestones are really important about how we think about the energy in the community and how we're growing the community at writ large um, and also celebrating all the work that's been done to date. So I think that was a really powerful moment. And I think that will allow us to, to you know, push forward in, in even, even bigger directions you, with, the, with the weight of the that's National really Academy behind us and the weight of the NSF. Uh, I remember you mentioning us. how um, so I think there's a lot, a lot of growth uh, coming in, in the future process. years here. I personally have never designed one myself, but every semester we have to give feedback with course evals. And I feel like that's a really important pro like part of the iterative design process. So I was wondering how how do we get feedback from the students uh, to enter this process and what it would be like to get or feedback from high school students about what's compelling and what would get them more involved in these classes? Yeah, Kalashi, uh, I appreciate that question as well, because I think way too often education reform movements are led by the adults right and there aren't young people who are like centered to the to, to the design of, of the movements at large and then also the curricular programs um, specifically and i think what we've seen so far with some of the data science education pilots and some of the courses is the student engagement is so strong because the data sets can be tailored to their interest it's so easy to bring in a data set about like TikTok trends or you know what's happening on spotify on like billboard right or like mba scores or like things that are relevant to students they like are reading about on their own like on social media like after they finish all their homework and so you know how can we like leverage that energy to then think about like the design of courses the design of you know experiences the, the design of the movement at large i do uh there's uh we're working with a really great uh partner based at unesco they're called the world's largest lesson um and they're supported by NetApp. And they have um, this survey that they're running uh, currently uh, called uh, 10 Minutes Can Change Education. Um, and they're trying to get students to give input on how on what changes they want to see in their education system post-COVID. And how, you know, over the past years, the turmoil that we've seen, you know, all the, all the changes um, that, have, that have rocked the education system, uh, basically what students think about it, right? And where they would want to see the system go at large. Um, and so I encourage people to go check that resource out. Um, I think it, it, the, the proper name is Transforming Education Survey. And if you look on the world's largest lesson site, um, you, you, can, you can fill it out. It's a great activity for students to, to, to give their voice to how their system their own systems to change. And, you know, when I was a student, I always remember being really frustrated that like I couldn't have a say in like the courses that are offered to me, right? Or like the way that the teacher teaches. Um, and I think there's like an untapped potential and untapped energy there. I also on the on the U Chicago side in our work with Data Science for Everyone, we're engaging a team of student consultants to figure out how to build like campus chapters or like clubs in data science and to do it authentically. 
uh, right? Because I worry if, you know, if, if this is designed like through a really rigorous research process and there's like, you know, some more elder researchers designing the framework, it won't be authentic. And so I really want students to be there for the design of the program and to think about like what meaningful experiences would look like. And then, uh, you know, I, I also think we've seen a lot of potential in the after school programs in particular. So there's great examples. Um, the Young Data Scientists League in Washington State has done a lot of great work of bringing students into the, into the design of their programs. Um, and they let students pick the topics. And it's an open-ended capstone experience where uh, students pick research topics. Uh, that have, and There's guidelines on how they involve data, how they use the data, what software they, what they can uh, you know, uh, choose and to bring into their analysis. And then they give them support on the techniques to do the analysis. But they have free reign, right, to pick the topic, to pick the research question. Um, and I think that's a really exciting, like open-ended approach to this work. Um, and that, that you know, is possible in the after-school space because there are no curricular constraints, but I don't, I don't think there's, there's no reason we can't do that in, you know, the formal classroom as well, right? And, and as long as there's an existing instructional goal there that the students are meeting through the project, I think there's a lot of bandwidth and freedom that students can get in, you know, topic exploration as it relates to the data sets that are underneath the skills that we're imparting. And you know, I also think that you know, students have an opportunity to um, explore data on TikTok or Instagram or Spotify, right? Look at all those trends. And I think the impulse from teachers, especially these days, is to the, the students get distracted by the technology. And like we should like take away the phones and take away the laptops and put really intensive web filters on everything, right? And you need there are like certain basics that you need, right, to, for for protecting students online. But I think we should think a lot more about how what, you know what if we center the technology instead in the learning. Right. And how can how can we you know, use these platforms to you know, re-engage students in formal instruction? And I think data science is a, is a method and a window into that, you know, and that we can continue to build on you know, the really strong engagement we've already seen with students. And then the last thing I'll mention that's like sort of tangential to, to you know, student design, but I think it's like really important for you know, just demonstrating evidence. Um, we, I, I had a conversation with a math teacher as we were doing interviews for um, the National Academies workshop. And as we were trying to like take stock of you know, the evidence to date and you know, sort of early anecdotes from classroom experiences, because we were trying to make sure that educator views and practitioner views were, were part of that discussion. I had a, a math teacher tell me that when she introduced a data science course, um, she had students asking her for internships and job opportunities in data science at a high school level. And she said, as a math teacher, I've never gotten those questions in like 20 years of teaching, uh, right? And so, so I think there's like, that's just so exciting. It's so, so exciting to hear. And um, you'll be, we heard other educators saying that you know, students, I always get questions of why am I learning this or, or like, why am I teaching this for these data science courses in high school or even middle school? They don't get those questions anymore. It is so obvious to kids why these skills are important. Um, you don't have to do that proof at the beginning that this this course is relevant for you or that this course is going to matter because you know, your kids know better than I think adults of where the world is going and what the entry level entry level jobs look like um, and what the you know what what the what skills matter you know in the next ten or twenty years. So yeah, you know, they're uh, they're with really it. exciting I to think, hear that students um, are like you know, super the, excited the to proof learn is in the pudding of some of these early experiences. I feel like for why university is in the forefront of a lot of these students' minds. And I feel like sometimes there can be a gap between like getting data science education at the K-12 level and then trying to transition it to the university level. So I'm wondering if you can think of any good ways to link the efforts between the K-12 level to the university level. Yeah. and. 
my assumption is the is the primary audience here is a very higher ed crowd. Um, so I'll, I'll I'll check carefully here <laughs> in answering this, but I also want to want to make some really specific calls to action, right, to to your audience and to people who might be leaders or, or professors or um, instructional staff in, in higher education. Um, so so the first thing. Um, you, we need the expertise and capacity that higher education can offer in data science and in all the related disciplines for K-12. Um, so I think if you represent like a data science department or a statistics department or anyone who teaches anything about data at the higher education level, reach out to your local school districts, especially the low income districts, right? And especially the marginalized, uh, you know, the, the districts that serve marginalized populations um, because they need help and they need help training their teachers. They need help figuring out what skills to prioritize in the curriculum. And I think if we can, you know, all the existing curricula providers in high school, you know, there's like four or five of them um, who offer professional development aligned with their uh, high school curricula options. They are all over capacity. We've generated so much demand and there's like, you know, maybe like 10 or 20 people across the country max who are doing PD work at the high school level from these providers. And so, you know, in order to get the scale and in order to also facilitate meaningful local partnerships, we really need, you know, to, to see those collaborations between higher ed and K-12 um, for, for lending capacity, for you know, doing that outreach and helping teachers, you know, uptake these skills and, and gain confidence in, in teaching this content. I think it also, this, this benefits higher education, right? So, so much academic research is now quite empirically driven. Um, you know, what I was a student economics, right? That whole field is super data driven now. Same thing with political science or anything in the social sciences. Uh, I think even in the humanities, there's a lot of exciting work that's that's really uh, you know computing and data intensive now. Um, and so there's benefits to students being very data savvy um, and being confident with data and with you know light touch programming and light touch coding and some of the per, you know the computational uh, competencies when they come into higher ed because they're more prepared, they're more college ready. They're more, uh, they're, they're able to engage in some of the academic research. They're better research assistants, right? So I think there's benefits back to, to, to higher ed that I think we should be uh, paying attention to. I also think, uh, you know, uh, experiences in K-12 will be really critical for increasing representation in data science at the higher ed level. And they're, they're back to the National Academies. They, they did a report in 2018 on undergraduate data science programs, and they specifically outlined K-12 as being a really unique partner um, for increasing diversity and representation in data science as a field, because students are making decisions about how they view themselves and what fields they're excited about in middle school, right? Kids decide they're a math person or not in like sixth grade. And those identity formations carry through into high school and they carry through into higher ed. Um, there's a really strong research, research literature on math anxiety um, that, that, that IES has documented online. You can go read about um, and, and a lot of that happens, you know, early on in the early grades. And so if we can do, you know, curricular interventions and get students excited about this content early on in their educational trajectories, you know, in middle school, even in elementary school, that'll be so critical for down the road, increasing representation in the professional fields of data science and incre increasing representation in the, the applicants, right, that are applying to data science majors and minors. Um, so I think that 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 alignment issue is really critical and, and getting you know, early exposure is, is, is super important. Um, and the final thing um, for, for this is looking for higher ed partners, um, counting student achievement in data science in high school admissions is really important. Um, and, you know, I'm college admissions. 
college admissions, right? And I'm probably, Eric, I'm preaching the choir here because University of California already does this in the A through G requirements for the state, uh, right? Data science can count as that third or fourth year math credit. Harvard also does this, and they put out a statement over the summer that, that explicitly you know, acknowledges data science coursework in high school um, and their admissions uh, decisions and criteria. Um, you know, these courses are challenging. They're chock full of mathematical reasoning. Uh, and, the, and the skills I would willing to bet stick with kids, right? Uh, kids are learning algebraic functions or they're learning linear regression or optimization basics um, in their data science courses. And I have a hunch that they remember this content better than when they memorized the chain rule in their calculus class, um, right? I, I think more colleges giving credit for student work in high school admissions, the better for high school. Um, because otherwise this content is ignored. The guidance counselors push students away from it because it's not it acknowledged as explicitly in higher ed admissions. Um, parents don't view it as, as important as some of the other options for courses. And I, I don't think any of this comes as a, we're not trying to replace any existing courses in high school, right? We're trying to expand the number of options, but making sure that the really hard work that students do is counted is really critical for you know, increasing enrollment, right? And increasing energy for this work. Um, so you know, I think the more we can do on admissions um, as, you know, as thinking from the higher ed perspective, the better, you know, for that alignment to K-12, because that will really help us. That will, that will make a huge difference. Yeah, thanks for that insight. As someone that took AP Calc AB in high school, I definitely don't remember the chain rule, so I can attest to that. But uh, <laughs> we're nearing the end of our interview, so I just wanted to ask you a few last questions. And that was, uh, if you quickly want to give other educators who are interested in your coalition or uh, just who are interested in the work you do, if you wanted to drop a few ways that they could get involved and also if you had any parting thoughts or words of wisdom for other data science educators around the world. Um, yeah, <laughs> the, the parting thoughts, big question. Um, well, yeah, so, so first, maybe just a few quick things to, to promote uh, very, very selfishly on you know, the data science for everyone side. So. You know, I definitely want people to go to the website. It's data science, the number four for everyone.org. Um, you should get involved in our Slack, our newsletter. Um, we want to launch a teacher support community soon. So if you're a teacher, please get in touch with us. Um, we also have an annual virtual conference um, that we do every June. Um, and we're soon launching, uh, this will go out in December, and then we'll open it in uh, January. We're launching a lesson plan competition, a bite-sized lesson plan competition. And we want uh, to encourage collaborations between teachers across subjects. So we want the CS teacher and the math teacher working together to create a data science lesson or the math teacher and the, uh, the history teacher, right? To like create like a data ethics lesson um, uh, jointly. And so we're really excited about that. Um, and we're looking for everyone to get involved. Um, so we want, you know, student volunteers, parents, teachers who want to create lessons, district leaders, state folks, higher ed counselors, right? Like the, the industry partners, the list of stakeholders goes on and on. For parting words or parting wisdom, um, you know, I think as I as I alluded to a little bit earlier in our discussion, I mean, technology is a moving target, right? And there are a lot of fields that are changing over time. And it's really hard to decipher what all these terms mean. Um, but I, I'm quite confident that data, you know, no matter what we call it, right? Big data, data science, um, artificial intelligence, et cetera. Data is not going away. It's, it's growing. And I think because of how wide the social transformations are, we really care about participation. It's not just access. Um, we think there needs to be explicit sequences and courses, but this can, you know, there should also be infusion across school subjects, right? They, they can serve the existing instructional goals. We're not building out a new school subject here, but instead we want teachers in science or math or social studies to pick up a spreadsheet or pick up you know, a, a very light touch coding program, find a data set that expands on 
a topic that you already have to teach next week and then run with it, right? And introduce the content that you already have to teach through data because that could be a really powerful way to introduce these really important skills um, with the content that you're already an expert in. And then I think the, the final thing and thinking about like, you know, you're just wider, wider field motivation. COVID just changed the whole world. And I think we forget about that a lot when we have these conversations on, you know, recovering from COVID, thinking about student achievement, um, thinking about learning loss. The share of employers who are adopting big data or AI or, you know, shifting to remote work or e-commerce, trying to fix their supply chains, right? They're increasing their use of data uh, across sectors, across, across functions and across careers. You know, and, and we're, we're dealing with learning loss, but it might be the case that we can help students leapfrog into the future by imparting them new content and, and content around data uh, and, and some of these modern techniques. Um, and I think there's an opportunity here that as we're having these conversations about how do we help kids to uh, catch up, we can also think about a larger reset that moves students in a new direction um, that helps them prepare for you know the moving target of what you know, the, the landscape looks like in careers and society right now. And we, we're seeing students engage in this stuff. So I really don't want to let the moment pass, right? I think that we're on the cusp of something really big for education right now. Um, and so I think we should continue to think hard about the content that is most uh, critical for our kids um, in you know, a, a changing world. That's great. Thank you so much. Awesome. You're so inspiring. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, thank you so much for, for having me. Uh, this is such a wonderful conversation. Uh, you know, I'm always so excited to get, get a chance to plug the work that's happening in K-12. Um, so you really, really appreciate the opportunity to, to you know, just share a little bit about what all the great work the field is doing. Thanks for bringing so many people together, Zarek. Thanks, Eric. Thanks, Flashy. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you're interested in learning more about data science education resources, Please subscribe to our Substack to get notified when we release any future podcasts. And join our community Slack channel through the link provided in this episode's description. Thank you.